Hi, I'm Rena Grove. And I'm Madhvi Romani. And this is Misinformed, the podcast for lazy but smart people. Every week we'll be discussing a different trend or topic so you can stay informed the easy way. So, Madhvi, what's the topic this week? We are talking about Elon Musk buying Twitter. There's been a lot of chat about this, and there's also been a lot of chat about, like, who cares, who owns Twitter, why is it such a big deal, why are people so offended? It caused a bunch of people to leave. I actually left Twitter after years of being on it because Twitter is a platform for writers. I was doing journalism for quite a while, and that's where, like, all the conversation was. And I had, I think, over 6,000 followers, even though I wasn't using it that much um, recently because I wasn't doing as much journalism. But still, it was an important platform. I decided to leave because we all have a choice over which businesses and which people we support and where we interact and where we don't. And I think we can all kind of just basically vote with our feet. Like, either we stay there or we don't. And there are kind of compelling arguments on either side. What's your view on the entire thing? I was never really active on Twitter, if I'm completely honest. Twitter as a platform never felt really intrinsic to me. Something about it was always very off-putting. And Twitter actually was started as a pro-democracy movement, I believe. Yeah, so Twitter actually started off as TextMob, which is a kind of texting service or electronic kind of mailing list. And it let users share like mobile phone, SMS text messages with friends and strangers based around certain topics. So that's why you've got that character limit. And also why a lot of people who were sharing news and stories and, you know, activists actually started using it. So it was first developed by the Institute for Applied Autonomy for protesters at the 2004 Democratic National Convention in Boston and the 2004 Republican National Convention in New York City. So it kind of came out of activist and democratic roots, which obviously since Trump and everything, and you could arguably say that Trump was elected because of Twitter and the amount of amplification of his voice and views that started from Twitter started there and then everyone picked up on it and he got a lot of publicity that way. So it became basically quite right-wing, toxic. There's a lot of harassment on it. There's a lot of racism on it. There's a lot of spam bots, crypto scams bullying, trolling, misogyny, doxing. It has a lot of problems. This is why we can't have nice things, because humans are garbage and they ruin things immediately. I think that the same thing is true for crypto, right? It starts from a very good place, and then it just dissolves into absolute chaos, madness, and scams, because people are like that. Yeah, Trevor Noah had something really funny to say about it. Obviously, Trevor Noah is always very funny and always very cute. I have such a big crush on Trevor Noah. Like, he is the only man in the world for me, I feel. I think we can all agree that we all collectively have a crush on Trevor Noah. If you don't have a crush on Trevor Noah, what is wrong with you? I mean, a more perfect man has not existed. Anyway, so Trevor Noah, who we love, um, (laughs) was wondering why Elon Musk would even want to own Twitter, because... He was like, it just doesn't seem like a fun place to supervise right now. It's like buying Jurassic Park after the power went down and the cages were opened. He also actually explained why this is quite important, because 
Twitter is one of the most culturally influential publishing platforms in the world. Me Too, the movement started on Twitter. It was very instrumental in the uprisings in the Middle East. Black Lives Matter blew up on Twitter. His point was, whether it's a billionaire that you like or a billionaire that you hate, when one person owns Twitter, that's a lot of power to have over such an influential platform. We need to interrogate how easy it is for billionaires to shape our world in their favour. And of course, billionaires have always known that owning big media organisations or publishing platforms are key to power because the decision doesn't even really make financial sense. Like, Twitter doesn't make that much money. It's valued at over, I think, six times the amount of like revenue it gets. Nobody really knows how to monetize it. And he said it's not about economics. He said it's about free speech. But the only way that you can take power away from somebody who has an amazing amount of power is to walk away from the platform, which is why I walked away from the platform. I'm not such a big influential voice on Twitter. But then Jamila Jamal also walked away from Twitter. And then loads of people like Mia Farrow and stuff said they would. And then they didn't because... I guess their influence is there too and they have a voice on there. And then a lot of people didn't because they said that it's going to become very right. There needs to be other voices and opinions to kind of counteract those voices. I just want to say, I don't think that Elon Musk wants to supervise Twitter. I think he's just such a big, he's a troll. He's like a massive troll. He just wants to own the platform for the sake of having power. You know, because you're saying the quote, it's like buying Jurassic Park. He wants to close off Jurassic Park and let people eat themselves. Maybe, yes. A hundred percent. He's such a troll. He, ah, that's my opinion of Elon Musk. But some funny things have happened since he took over. So a lot of people have lost a bunch of followers, but then people on the right, Republicans, they've gained a bunch of followers. Because it's also interesting when people say free speech. What is free speech? I think a lot of people who are claiming free speech have always had free speech, right? They are white men in power, but now they're kind of offended that everyone else has, because of social media, the power to reply to them on an equal platform and also have their speech. And then they say that their speech is being taken away. And it's like, no, these people are just getting a publishing platform for the first time to make their views known. And it's also interesting, like Twitter and all social media, as we know, they don't give any platform to sex workers, for example. How is he going to address that? If he really cared about free speech, he would also care about protecting the people, like trans people, black people, people who get abused and bullied off the platform a lot, protecting their free speech, which is kind of not. He's also made transphobic comments about pronouns, basically, and the use of them, and just like picked on people who indicate their pronouns in an act of solidarity with trans people. He sounds like he would get along with Jordan Peterson really great. Yeah, also I like the way that he's like, oh, you're just being silly with all your pronouns, but then he named his kids like mathematical formulas. I think we call them X for short, but it's like an A-E-Y, like what? Because that's not laughable. 
You want to know something, because I'm thinking about this free speech thing. I woke up this morning to the news that Berlin has made pro-Palestine demonstrations illegal. That's shocking. Yeah. Citing that at last week's protest, there was some anti-Semitic rhetoric, which is, of course, not okay, shouldn't happen. Yes, but they're, they're, they're combining two things, mm -hmm. two separate things. Anti-Semitic speech should be illegal, but pro-Palestine protests can be and is separate from that. Mm, I mean, that's the problem with the whole public narrative surrounding that. But when I was walking over here to record this podcast, I just kept thinking over the fact that like the Kvedenka, which is like, you know, the like alternative thinkers, I don't know Conspir how to... Conspiracy theory con type people. Are allowed to have their protests, even though there have been no neo-Nazi groups in there. It's a censorship. It's a controlling of free speech because no one is saying Kvedenka demonstrations are not allowed to happen, even though they very blatantly have neo-Nazi rhetorics in them, which is just anti-Semitic. So I don't know. My mind was just like, I can't, like, I honestly can't comprehend how this is happening and then i remembered we live in germany of course like this is interesting because the who the world health organization after musk i fully thought you meant the band for a second <laughs> well that's why i clarified i wonder if the who the band has seen like an uptick in listens or whatever <laughs> since coronavirus because people think they're the they just google them a lot and then they just come across the who because they were kind of like old and, and not really relevant and all these young kids must have just rediscovered the who maybe which is a good thing one silver lining of coronavirus anyway about covid yeah the who actually issued a statement on the whole musk buying twitter thing because free speech also affects like misinformation and disinformation and Elon Musk has spread disinformation, misinformation about COVID and defended people like Joe Rogan, who have made damaging claims about COVID. And when you start doing this in the name of free speech, because when you've got power and platform and influence and everyone thinks Elon Musk is a genius and that they should listen to him, that means people aren't getting vaccinated and it means that people are dying. It's interesting that you say that because when you go to Elon Musk's Wikipedia page, you know how they have like the headlines? His headline says, Musk has been criticized for making unscientific and controversial statements. In 2018, he was sued by the U.S. Securities and Exchange Commissions for falsely tweeting that he had secured funding for a private takeover of Tesla. And there's another sentence, blah, blah, blah. And then it says, Musk has also been criticized for spreading misinformation about COVID-19 pandemic and his other views on such matters as AI, cryptocurrency, and public transport. Why are you coming for the U-Bahn, Elon Musk? But also, if in the highlights of who you are as a person you spreading misinformation is worthy of mentioning, you must be a really shit person. Musk also, I think, likes to pretend like he is from such humble beginnings and like his father doesn't own mines in South Africa, which is always great. So he grew up in South Africa, first of all, during apartheid as a white South African. So a small group of the population who had colonized and stolen the resources and land of the native black population. And since then, Tesla has been accused of segregation, not even like the general racism that we all know all companies do. Really hardcore segregation and very serious racism complaints, and also complaints of sexism within Tesla, which is a massive problem and also just shows that he's He's a shitbag racist. 
It's good to have an opinion. <laughs> now tell us what you really think, Rina. <laughs> but basically, yes, he has made misogynistic tweets and stuff. And like I was saying, the problems of Twitter are like misogyny, racism. I found this great little timeline of just Musk's tweets about COVID. Because also, I think one of the myths about Musk, yes, it is true that his father had an emerald mine and he grew up very, 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 very wealthy. He says that he didn't get anything from his father and he put himself through college. That may, may be true, I don't know. But he did anyway grow up with immense privilege. He also worked very hard and that's cool. You know, there's a lot of nuance to things. But that's such, like, I don't even think virtue signaling is the right word here, but just being like, oh, yes, I come from a wealthy family, but I didn't accept any of my father's money, so, like, I'm, you know... Oh, no, totally. Oh. I mean, he's totally privileged. Shut um, the fuck up, He's Elon. a white South African, I mean, and he's a man. Yeah, he was able to succeed in a way and at a time that if he were a woman or if he were a black woman or if he was a black man, he just would not have been able to, of course. And then the other thing, the other myth about him is that he's an engineer because he's the chief engineer of SpaceX. And SpaceX is amazing. It's, they send rockets to space. They work for NASA. It's amazing. Rockets are cool. However, he's not a qualified engineer at all. He has, I read this several times because I was like, everyone's got this wrong. This is a massive typo. Until I realized, actually, you know, when you think everyone else is wrong, but you and then you're like, oh shit, actually it's me. <laughs> story of my life exactly sometimes it happens sometimes you're like how did everyone get this wrong and then you're like wait a minute if I just turn it around a bit could be that I was wrong so everyone was writing that he had a bachelor of arts in physics and a bachelor of science in economics and I was like no it should be a bachelor of arts in economics because economics is a social science and a bachelor of science in physics however no he got uh, this double degree, you know, like you can do a double major in the US from the University, I think, of Pennsylvania. And a Bachelor of Arts in Physics is not really a hardcore physics degree. It's just like a bit of theoretical physics and how like economics kind of fits into them. And he wasn't, he's not an engineer at all. It's just that he owns the company and therefore can give himself any title he wants. He's considered an engineer, but like just because he's given himself this title... And I was reading this article in The Economist and they were like, oh, Elon Musk, the world's most famous engineer, is going to solve the problem of Twitter. And I was like, no, he is not an engineer. He's not the level of SpaceX stuff. All those people working for him at SpaceX and working at Tesla are very smart and engineered. So he's surrounding himself with really smart people. And he's good at business. But, is he good at business? Well, he made a very bad business decision with Twitter because the Tesla stock plummeted and he used as part of the collateral because he doesn't have all of his money in liquid form because if he did, then he would get taxed and he isn't like just contributing to our society, I guess. So Elon Musk, to buy Twitter, basically used a bunch of his shares from Tesla as collateral and therefore... Because Twitter is such a bad business decision, although I would argue he's not buying it, you know, for business. It wiped a bunch of money off of Tesla's share price. Yeah, if everyone walks away from Twitter, that means he could lose like a bunch of his shares in Tesla. I think also like there was a point when Tesla was about to go bankrupt or like he has made bad decisions. It's just that he's got astounding confidence 
in everything he says. So I found this like little timeline of tweets that he did regarding COVID. This is the guy that everyone thinks is a genius and a scientist and a great engineer. On March the 6th, as COVID cases topped 100,000 and deaths exceeded 3,000, Musk tweeted, The coronavirus panic is dumb. On March the 19th, Musk predicted that the country was headed towards zero new cases by the end of April. On March the 19th, Musk insisted that kids are essentially immune despite research that children can contract the virus and get sick from it. On May the 9th, Musk vowed to sue the county of Alameda in California, where Tesla is located, because they were forced to shut down their assembly line. And Tesla did file a federal lawsuit that day, but then the company voluntarily dropped the suit less than two weeks later. On May the 11th, he said that Tesla's assembly line in the Bay Area would reopen immediately, violating local public health rules. In September through 2020, Musk told the New York Times that he would not take a COVID-19 vaccine once it's available, arguing that he and his kids are not at risk, and he asserted that the virus, which had killed more than 2.6 million worldwide, has a low mortality rate. And then, on March the 12th, 2021, he questioned whether it was safe to get a second shot of the coronavirus vaccine. And actually, he and his kids and everyone have actually had the vaccine. So he's all over the place, which is why when he's all about like, oh, I'm about free speech and stuff, he's just about his own ego. And that's about it. There's a in the Zeit magazine. It's actually a podcast. It's their political podcast. And it's called Trollen. Well, it's really weird to say the word troll in German. Trollen ist Teil seines Geschäftsmodells, in which they essentially argue that Elon Musk's entire business model is to troll. I mean, that's who he is. He is a troll. The Massachusetts Institute for Technology did a study that shows that false stories on Twitter are 70% more likely to be retweeted than true stories. Mm. And given the fact that Elon Musk is the king of misinformation and disinformation and all that bullshit... It's very much like Trump in that sense. And I think like a lot of people said, because Trump maybe wants to rerun for election 2024. And with this move, under the guise of free speech, Trump could potentially come back onto Twitter. Research showed since Twitter chucked Trump off, the amount of disinformation, you know, went down significantly on Twitter. Yeah. And I think that if you really think about it, like, we're giving him free publicity, right? Tesla doesn't actually spend anything or next to nothing on marketing. Elon Musk tweeting to his 85 million followers is what allows him to spend, you know, essentially next to nothing on marketing for Tesla. In an article in Forbes, you know, they say Tesla spends zero on ads. And in comparison with that, Toyota, for example, spends over $1 billion a year in advertising in the United States alone. So trolling and all this misinformation and this disinformation, whether or not Elon Musk really believes it himself, which like obviously he doesn't if he's vaccinated, but like in public going on and on about how harmful the vaccination is, making noise, creating a stink. And I think he does it intuitively. Like, I don't think he's even, I think he's just all over the place in general. That's his personality. Yeah. And it, it does really well on Twitter. Twitter, yeah. yeah. I think it's very interesting also that he has Asperger's. Oh, does he? I didn't yes. know that. And he's self, he said this himself, that he does. And I was thinking about this because I think a lot of people who have Asperger's actually find socializing on social media 
platforms through a computer better, a better way to communicate or a more comfortable way to communicate. And also it's true that one of or few of the traits of people with Asperger's or on the autism spectrum is that they find it hard to put themselves into other people's positions. They find it hard to deal with social situations in real life and things like that. And I find it very interesting that a lot of people like Elon Musk has just taken over Twitter. Mark Zuckerberg, who is in charge of like Facebook, Instagram, and WhatsApp, which are all social things, displays a lot of those qualities. Like he's supremely awkward communicator. And lots of people have reported that even in meetings and stuff, he's just kind of silent or he has awkward pauses. And there's a lot of indicators to say that he's on the spectrum too. And Peter Thiel had this in this article from the Washington Post quite a while ago. He made a speech at George Mason University where he was saying that many more successful entrepreneurs seem to be suffering from a mild form of Asperger's where it's like you're missing the imitation socialization gene. So according to Peter Thiel, he says, what is it about a society that those of us who do not suffer from Asperger's are at some massive disadvantage because we will be talked out of our interesting original creative ideas before they're even fully formed. Whereas he's saying like a person with Asperger's doesn't really notice or care or notice, I think more or less, that it, that their ideas or their way is a bit weird or strange and, you know, they don't have this pressure to fit in. It's very interesting because I, I was thinking about that and then this uh, woman called Justine Castle, who's the Associate Vice Provost of Technology Strategy and Impact at Carnegie Mellon said, like this argument doesn't really hold because it seems odd to say that the best innovation is going to come from somebody who doesn't study people, who can't read those social cues, you know, and in fact, isn't able to spend casual time with them. If what he's saying is that Silicon Valley startups are places where the winners are the ones who don't have any social skills, to me, that's a sad statement about who is inventing the technology of tomorrow. Both the narrowness of the group doing the inventing and most importantly, and most tragically, the statement that those who do not care about social interaction with other people are thought to be best able to develop technologies to help people. And you can see this with Elon Musk. Like, he just doesn't care that people are like, you're being an idiot. I mean, he does care. He has got a big ego, but also it's more ego-based rather than wanting to understand and communicate with people in a sort of way where you are respecting their feelings or... It's more collaborative in a way. He just has an idea, he goes full on with it. And also, I think like Bill Gates shows these kind of traits as well. And there was this interesting kind of TED Talk and interview which didn't push him far enough and was just so like arse leaky that it was annoying. But how does your brain work and stuff like this was, was the question. And he said, yeah, you know, like as a kid then, therefore, he studied all this code and he was super comfortable with code and coding and computers and stuff like that. And that's how he got his start because... Most kids just, you know, can't get obsessed in that way or are not into that kind of thing. But also what he said in this interview, which is a really good point, which I think is a really good idea to a level, is that he wanted to make Twitter and all the algorithms, like so which tweets get pushed up, which tweets don't get as much attention, all of that. He wanted to make it open source. Again, this is Elon Musk, so he can just change his mind at any moment and this may never happen. But actually, I think this is a really good idea. But So he was like, oh, I think we should put the open source on GitHub which is a kind of place where programmers just put all their code and then people can say, oh, what's wrong with it and stuff like that. And I think that's really cool. However, most of the people on GitHub are 
white men Mm -hmm. who probably have a disproportionate you know amount of that society have Asperger's because it's code it's heavily technical so who is then deciding because he's saying well the algorithm should decide or if there's less moderation and everyone just had say in how the algorithm worked with transparency and I think transparency is good you know Instagram doesn't have any transparency and you can see that all the women's accounts that are like you know black women's accounts or political accounts you know get pushed down and then white women posting bikini pictures get pushed up and if that was transparent and people could put their opinion in that would be cool but who's putting their opinion in is able to read that and regulate that and it's going to be white men like him basically who do not see the problems of other people and who also have problems putting themselves into the shoes of those other people so for Elon Musk like he could say whatever he wants and he might not get like rape threats or threats of being docs of violence or abuse and stuff because he's just a white man right with a lot of privilege so I just think it's not going to work, his whole approach. And this is the problem with just thinking about how all social interactions in all the world and everything can be solved with a technical innovation or technological innovation, which is not the case. In this interview, he ended on this really nice, like, beautiful PR line that says, I love humanity and I think we should all fight for an optimistic future, you know, for all of us, for all of our children, you know, all across the world and everything like this. And even if he believes that, his approach is simply very, very flawed. Speaking of which, so Elon Musk said that if the UN could tell him exactly how much money they needed and how they planned to spend it, he would give them money to end world hunger. So David Beasley, who is the director of the United Nations World Food Program, laid out exactly how they would spend $6.6 billion to combat world hunger. He tweeted out a link to a thousand-word executive summary which maps out how the UN would deploy these $6.6 billion worth of meals and vouchers to feed more than 40 million people across 43 countries that are on the brink of famine, and thereby adverting what the World Food Program calls looming catastrophes. So in the document, the World Food Program proposes dedicating $3.5 billion to buy and deliver food directly, $2 billion for cash and food vouchers, in places where markets can't function, aka places like Yemen, and then spending another $700 million to manage new food programs that are adapted to the in-country conditions and ensure that the assistant reaches the most vulnerable, and then there's like a bunch of money that would go to like administrative causes and food and supply chain coordination. So it's like they did exactly what he asked. And instead, he buys Twitter. He could end world hunger. I mean, but you know, he also could have ended world. He could have like ended the starvation of a lot of people for only six billion. He spent forty-four billion, and he said he would if somebody gave him the the breakdown. And the director of the UN, like the food director, who has a job and time, was like, "Okay, here, here you go." Yeah, and that just shows number one how unreliable he is. And number two, just how much he just does not care about the statement he just made about, yeah, I care about humanity. Because if you care about humanity, it's not about free speech in quotation marks on Twitter. It's about people are fucking starving. Yeah, I mean, I think this brings up two points. One, billionaires shouldn't exist. If one person can end world hunger and they choose not to, like, billionaires shouldn't exist. Shouldn't be a thing. But also, Elon Musk doesn't care. Like he, you know, going to thing again, trolling, all of this. This is his publicity. Talking about Elon Musk is what he wants. Whether or not it's good talk or bad talk, we're talking about him. We're talking about Tesla. We're talking about SpaceX. Fully believe he had no intentions to ever follow through on that. He just wanted to generate a hype. 
He just wanted to be talked about. And he succeeded. And so, like, maybe it was naive to hope for a second that he would actually end world hunger. But also, like, he said he would. So if he says, if you do this, I'll give you this, and he can potentially do it very easily, he said he would, and then he didn't, and that happens so many times. So I'd be very, very, very wary of what direction he's going to take Twitter in, despite what he says, because he is all over the place. I'd be very wary about Twitter itself, because it's going to turn, with no moderation, it's just no good. And number three, I think if you really want to stop supporting somebody who's misogynistic, somebody who has promoted a racist culture, somebody who has an enormous amount of wealth and power already, if you do just want to vote with where you're putting your attention and what platforms you're using, I would really say leave Twitter. And that brings us really nicely into our three things you can do this week to be a better person. Thing one, like Madhvi just said, leave Twitter. Number two, go to freepress.net, which ensures that media and technology are used for justice. And there is a bunch of information there about how these publishing platforms can be used to undermine our democracy. And there is a tab called Get Involved, where you can just go sign a petition, make a donation, join an event, or volunteer. So get involved that way. And thing three... We should all have the confidence of a mediocre white man. Let's all be like Elon Musk. I mean, no, let's not be like Elon Musk, but he's got confidence in his ideas and we should all have confidence in our ideas. Thank you for listening. Until next week, goodbye. If you like the show, please share it with your friends and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. You can also help us by supporting us on Patreon for as little as four euro a month. Visit patreon.com slash misinformed. For links to all our sources and for our personal tips on what to watch and read, subscribe to our weekly newsletter at misinformed.substack.com. You can follow us on Instagram at the underscore miss underscore informed or email us your feedback, requests, or just to say hi, misinformed.podcast at gmail.com. We would love to hear from you.